Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray. I have my incredible co-host with me, Drew Haskins. Hi. And joining us today for the season finale of Girls Season 3, TV writer Eric Edelstein. How's it going? Hey, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you for being here. We got a really good episode to talk about today. Yeah. Um, so Eric, you have tweeted before about your like fandom of girls and we would both love to hear how you got into the show. Um, I actually remember this really vividly. Um, I was a senior in high school when I think there was like some sort of trade paper announcement of the show. Mm -hmm. And I had, that was around the time that I was just watching a lot of movies and, trying to escape from my like horrible suburban existence. Um, and I had a good friend who I think turned me on to tiny furniture and, you know, the, the announcement of girls came with this sort of casting thing where it was like these four children of basically like famous people are going to be in the show set in New York about like a certain, you know, lifestyle, early twenties. And I had just gotten into NYU and I was like, you know, I was moving there as the show was beginning. So I, I remember just there being this like beautiful synchronicity where I'm like, I'm going to be watching the show as I'm like experiencing New York for the first time. And yeah, going to NYU for college as the show was airing, arguably the way the show was intended to be watched. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I we like watched it, like we had viewing parties or, and at least it was like something everyone was talking about. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you say you were in high school reading trade publications? Yeah, yeah. That was me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think I, I like I vividly remember I think it was like a variety announcement, like seeing it or it being sent to me and just like being very excited about it because I I liked tiny furniture so much and mm-hmm. like I recognized like Jemima Kirk who's in it. And I was like, oh cool, like maybe it's gonna be kind of an extension of this and um mm-hmm. oh, go on, Julia. Oh, I was just saying, and it kind of was. I feel like it it all exists in the Lena Dunham cinematic universe. Yeah, no, definitely. So as a working TV writer, how has Lena sort of influenced your work? I feel like it's kind of hard not to see her as such, well, like one of the big like totemic creators for like our generation of artistic minds I hate saying that and I'm sorry I did no no you're you're forgiven um I've actually thought a lot about this about like you know the labels that came to her that ultimately like pigeonholed her and maybe like caused some sort of like public you know dismissal of her and like what it meant to be the voice of the generation and what that meant to me watching it and and as a writer, like, what was I taking from that? And I think the thing that, like, holds true for me now is that, like, there are very few working direct American directors of, like, either all genders who are so, like, unafraid of being grotesque. Mm-hmm. And, like, Girls is actually, like, a horror show in so many ways mm-hmm. where it's it's all about discomfort and there's bodily discomfort, there's discomfort in languages and, like, there's like a real lack of fear in showing that. And obviously the times were different, but I do think so much has become sanitized in our media. And, you know, there's now a fear of of exploring taboo or things that make people uncomfortable. And I think she was like, more than anything, more than being like a voice of, you know, a certain type of millennial, like she was just like very chill with like talking about what no one wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. I want to move forward as a writer like with that in mind do you have a favorite girl's moment or quote um I will say like as a Hannah uh, (laughs) the the q-tip I knew you were gonna say the q-tip yeah it just (laughs) it hit me on like many levels because I like that is exactly like the kind of neurosis I would have where like it would be like weak a weeks long torturing myself over what I did and like what it means and like it caught that like 
what a spiral looks like um very well and I mean I like that is that is a horror it is a horror scene yeah I mean talk about things I've seen yeah yeah that I mean that episode has a little horror for everyone basically too (laughs) like I think we kind of forgot when we watched it for the first time for the show that um that's the same episode that Marnie performs stronger in it is yeah <laughs> like a it's misery porn in a lot of ways yeah yeah wow that is that is that's horrible I love it um oh my god yeah so that that definitely stands out for me as like a pivotal girl scene I think the 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 beach house episode that you know everyone loves so much is another moment for me yeah so you mentioned that you are hannah why do you see yourself in hannah so much um i i mean there's an erotic element in me and like like the the sort of main character syndrome of like being a writer and thinking that you have something important to say and like i also i relate to her like specific brand of narcissism where i'm like like there's still she does care about other people but there is something that it always like kind of ties back to her in this episode there's a good example of like the double layers of her telling adam about what about you know getting into iowa where i'm like you ruined someone's moment a little bit but you're also like i believe it's an earnest effort to connect and relate to so it's not like totally sinister so I feel like I've like found myself doing things like that where I like play it back and I was like fuck like <laughs> I made this about me or like I turned it and like I do this and like why do I do this and like why do I think my stories and my information is more significant to someone else you know mm-hmm. so, um, I'm being very honest about myself we found that uh you can you can learn a lot about a person based on which girl they are I'm also a Hannah so you're in good company okay yeah true <laughs> Well, I'm a Marnie, uh, which is difficult to say, especially like after the episode we had today. But I do find that talking about this show and also rewatching on the other side of your mid-20s really provokes you into a state of deep self-examination. Like, I, I, I really was not expecting this to be as like psychologically torturous in a lot of ways as it has been watching this because it's really hard not to relate to all of these characters in some fashion yeah I feel like people are attributing like the pandemic to this major rewatch but for like all of us who tuned in originally it is that sort of self-reflective thing where Mm -hmm. on watching it if there was a criticism to be made it's like none of these characters actually feel real they're all like hyper real or like insane versions of a type of person but then like looking back you're like oh I was Mm -hmm. yeah that deranged all the time and like you could only see that you know upon reflection and it's a sort of period piece in that way yeah absolutely they are pretty realistic characters too I've always found that criticism a little bit off base the only archetype of these four girls that I have not seen in the real world is Jessa but I feel like it's just a matter of time oh yeah Oh, you'll find one. I've, yeah, I've, I've seen many, many a Jessa. (laughs) Yeah, not, not in my personal circle, but yeah, there, there are Jessas in the wild. How does the show hold up in your eyes? Like looking back, is it 10 years later? 10 years later. How do you think it holds up? I, I mean, flawlessly, truly flawlessly, (laughs) because it, it has like the thing that Sex and the City has where even when it feels dated, it does feel like a time capsule. So you're watching something of an era that will always define a certain time. So it actually can't get tired or feel, you know, like it missed the mark. Because even when it misses the mark, it's it feels like the way it should have missed the mark for 2012 and 13. And like, I, I don't know. And it's just as funny. Um, yeah. It's just as pointed. And yeah, I mean, I, I, did, a, I did a rewatch like a year ago and um yeah and I was I was surprised because I was like there's going to be things that are going to rub me the wrong way and like of course there are but they also feel like the exact type of things that would be said then so it was you know I was always trying to contextualize Mm -hmm. um so yeah I'm I think 
girls forever so now that we're wrapping up season three what what do you usually think about season three as a whole piece of work especially compared to the rest of the show um i definitely think it's a little um i don't know what the right word for it is like in watching the finale i was like oh a lot of these dynamics were felt rushed or like we just got to like the end of things and they weren't as developed um but I think I had I don't remember which was like the the period where I was like the thing about girls for me is more than like best seasons it was always like there would be amazing episodes throughout and interspersed and then there would be like a few bad ones so Mm -hmm. I don't think of like any one of them is bad or good or better you know I, I sort of mm-hmm. think like every episode every season has a several gems and then there's like a couple lulls but yeah um so yeah I mean I know one is so perfect one and two feel so perfect in my mind and I think a season three on any show like like if you work on tv is when inevitably people start like you know it, like spinning spinning like they just, no one knows really what to do next and it kind of mm-hmm. becomes a there's a lot of tangents I feel um and you feel that lull a little bit but like I don't know it really knowing where it goes also helps I'm like yeah it just kind of builds itself back up I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on season three now that you've recently revisited it all I remember watching it and kind of feeling that way the oh has this show fallen off or it's best years behind it but being able to watch it now like being able to binge it it feels I don't think there's a bad episode in season three Mm -mm. and also just reflecting on the episodes we've recorded Drew I don't remember I mean of course some criticisms throughout but I don't remember a bad episode yeah, the only one that felt slightly fillery to me was the death episode where they go to David Pressler Goings' funeral and mm. Jessa meets her old, like, lower companion buddy. That yeah. one is definitely a lull, but there's still, I mean, even when the plotting is bad, and I've said this about the show already, even when the plotting is bad or a little too scattershot, the writing is always so good. And the character moments are always so good. Yeah, 100%. Where, yeah, there's always something to to attach yourself to. And yeah, when it's not plot, it is a character moment for sure. Yeah. And I don't know about y'all, but I found this finale incredibly satisfying and how it wrapped up all these different threads and undercurrents throughout the season. 100%. I was also like, the anxiety in someone's life about like t- whether I should or shouldn't go to grad school it just oh real now oh, yeah. is like so it's I didn't feel it at the time because it was just not a you know it wasn't like a preoccupation but I'm like oh god like this is a specific moment where like you have this opportunity opens and it could change like her parents say like it could change the course of your life yeah um, and it's actually very real to like not know what to do <laughs> yeah Even though it seems like go to this best the best program in the nation for writing mm-hmm. but so why don't we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode then like where we last left our girls hannah was role-playing with adam in a blonde wig to spice up their relationship um and then she quit her gq job in a patty lapone precipitated bout of dissatisfaction and started questioning her relationship with adam because he's so fixated on the broadway debut um Marnie has a ginormous crush on Desi and they start collaborating on some terrible music that is nonetheless performed very nicely in public so it feels a little bit more of a promising avenue even as she is working at a dead-end gig at Sujin the Queen's Gallery and Jessa takes a job with BD an an artist an old artist as an archivist and is working on her sobriety after Richard E. Grant leaves her in the lurch um and Shosh not up to much but she has a big episode that was really beautiful (laughs) (laughs) spoken like a true girls expert yes (laughs) that's like a a gorgeous recap (laughs) honestly Shosh has not been up to much this season at all that is maybe the one place in which this season but I guess you know 
intentional or not, it, by the finale, it's sort of like that aimlessness and not up to much seems to be like hitting her in the face. So yeah. it almost seems like deliberate that, you know, like when you've been aimless for a bit and then you have that moment, like so you suddenly look back at your life and you're like, what have I been doing? And like, as, yeah. as an audience, we're feeling that. So then it happening, it's like, yeah, you're, you're lost. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we go girl by girl and run through the plot? I, th- I kind of want to start with Hannah. Does that work? Okay. Yeah, she had the biggest. She had the biggest arc. So let's start yeah. with Hannah. So the episode opens with Hannah running into Caroline in the lobby, um, right by the mailbox. It's I was shocked at this. I kind of forgot that this was the finale. I thought she came back in season four, but like she's pregnant with Laird's baby. <laughs> Incredible. And there's a labia. That she oh senses. Oh my god. <laughs> the labia is forming. Yeah. So perfect. I mean, I love that the show brought her back, and I love that the show brought Laird back. He's so I mean, those two characters are just they're, they're perfect, perfect side characters. No notes. Yeah. It's a great opening to a finale, too, because she tunes in to like leave to leave Hannah with like a shred of doubt and anxiety about her future yeah. and yeah, um, there's something really like nice about seeing someone who seemingly has the next chapter of their life figured out, then they're gone, and you're sort of left with like, what's my relationship? What's my career? You know, what's you know, even though it's all a mess. Yeah, Caroline, but... like Caroline's definitely messy, but she also has purpose. Like she has, you know, a partner and a, a future child to take care of um she's off to take her folic acid and then some <laughs> like yeah. it's really barefoot. but then the reason hannah gets the mail once caroline leaves and opens up her acceptance letter to the mfa workshop which is incredible Big moment yeah i got really excited i was Me like too. a partner was like you deserve you you really deserve this i think i was like thinking about lena where i'm like someone's seeing you even though yeah (laughs) but really like we're I mean we've spent two seasons now kind of rooting for Hannah but also just shaking our head at her antics and now you know it's it's paid off I feel like the show has really made us uh you know root for her and be more sympathetic towards her yeah and I I think like this season really provided a clarifying answer in a lot of ways that Hannah is in essence a good writer like her pieces are good enough to get her into a prestigious mfa program Mm -hmm. but they're also if she wants them to be adaptable enough to do like advertorial work like hannah she she like has a body of work now that like would be impressive but she just can't really get out of her own way and that will be always her like sort of fatal flaw Mm-hmm. for sure but not today not, not today, today. on her high horse she went to tell marnie uh that she got in and marnie a really nice mo- moment between these two we've seen just ups and downs and now marnie is you know in her towel celebrating hannah you can also see she's like kind of celebrating herself like my best friend got into the best mfa program in the world it never ceases to amaze it amaze me how much work Allison Williams is actually doing. Like <laughs> oh, I do right. think Marnie's the greatest character on girls, and there's just layers to every bit of it. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm I felt like I was on that from the beginning. I will give myself that credit, but also like seeing it now even more, I'm like, you know exactly who this person is. And yeah, and it's impeccable, like every moment. Yeah. Like she she just consistently elevates everything like a wonderful comedian like such a good straight man like I this whole episode was not a triumphant episode for Marnie but like triumphant Allison Williams performance like we'll get to the bathroom scene later but I was like hooting and hollering I haven't seen a green dress as iconic since like Kira Knightley like getting fucked against the (laughs) bookshelf But I really love the scene where she calls her mom and dad too. Like, I just, I mean, Becky Ann Baker and Peter Scolari are 
incredible performers and one of the real highlights of season three of girls is getting to know hannah's mom a lot more like the episode where they go home with when her grandma dies is i think still that and beach house are my two favorite episodes of this season um but the line like that she that becky and baker says uh when opportunities like this arrive you figure it out you say yes and you figure it out that's how this works like i thought so such a good just like profound line in a vacuum yeah and also like i've heard i've been given that line by my parents in times of like uncertainty where like it's exactly true and it's yeah it's perfect i love i love the scene that always like i think like network television brain is like it's so indulgent to like have a phone call that's you actually where you actually see them you know that's not just from her perspective i'm like this little like it's just a little moment but i'm like it's a full scene and i'm like i'm just so grateful for it Um, yeah yeah because you really see their joy for her and you know just reminds you how you know hannah really has this nurturing you know kind of safety net Mm -hmm. yeah and also like still at that age where like it really does matter what they say to you and like you do want to win their approval and you know like the joy they have for her and that how it sits on her yeah is such a it's such a nice moment it really is yeah yeah and they play it so joyfully too like that it, it really is such a believable family unit which is why it's always such a little treat to have scenes with the three of them and i'm excited that in the later seasons we get so much more of that too like just really rich performances yeah so the whole crew, Hannah, Elijah, Marnie, Ray, and Shosh, all go to the premiere of Major Barbara. Um, and Hannah decides to tell Adam the news before he goes on stage, which I was like... Uh, just, I'm a little crazy to do. Yeah. You can't wait. So I'm, I like kind of empathize with her in that I find it really hard to put off difficult conversations like sitting on sitting on my feelings is very hard for me to do I don't think I would have told my partners something completely life upending mere minutes before he's supposed to go on stage but I I on the Hannah Adam divide I am almost always team Adam and I thought he was a little heartbreaking in this scene like just keeping the accent on and being happy for her but also like incredibly internally pissed off about why now and why did you keep this for me yeah I think what like strikes me I I was talking about a little bit before like why that scene like why I relate to Hannah in some sort of way is it's like to an extent for someone so self-obsessed she's also very self-aware so she knows better than to like talk about getting this thing in like a way that's all about her so she makes it like she's still sort of manipulating like she makes it about them as a couple and them as artists and you can register that it's not that's kind of her way of making it seem like it's not all about her right and like that that movement was really interesting to me because I'm like like you're smart enough to know that you're being that you could be you know a narcissist so you're cushioning it in this sort of like this is us as a couple but you're actually yeah yeah I I really like that but when she says artist couple too like that kind of like she's elevating herself to his level in a way that undercuts his moment and like classic Hannah yeah I I feel like a lot of and maybe this is just me like I was just in LA for a few days like for a vacation and so much of how people speak to each other in creative communities is this it's like a combination humble brag, networking, undercutting, self-deprecation, like this stew that is so unique to how people talk about their like artistic pursuits. And it's like, it's really hard to capture that, I think, in a very self-aware way as a creator. And this scene, I mean, I thought it was one of the best seasons or scenes of the season for that reason like it's just such a tricky balancing act to pull off and like it takes a lot of like 
I mean, this show is really self-aware in a lot of ways, but it, like, it takes a lot to like kind of sell, undercut yourself as a creator and like, you know, the kinds of conversation that you have day to day and like actually see that realized. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh God, you talking about <laughs> you saying that is like, I'm, I'm a recovering Angelino and I just <laughs> remember, yeah, every, everything is loaded, even when on the surface it isn't. And that's, what was so good about that scene too um yeah he kills in the play though like even so i mean from what we see a lot doesn't elijah say like oh this is not gonna get get good write-ups or something but also what does elijah know yeah what elijah's such like a little dilettante and it's so funny at um kind of like the ending montage uh when adam is like alone posing for pictures with his cast and elijah just like sneaks in it's like so funny (laughs) with his shorts yeah a short suit like doing it before tom brown was doing it like he he kind of rode the way (laughs) i actually thought of that i was like a tom brown sleigh um yeah yeah. and i mean so apparently he did great. Elijah doesn't think so, but afterwards Adam says he thinks he did fucking terribly because Hannah, you know, as we see, got in his head right before his big moment. So it's just, you know, it, she didn't even show signs of regret after telling him. So I, you know, I don't even know if we as the viewer were supposed to realize like that was not the right thing to do. But it's it's a bad moment between them and they kind of get in this fight. Like what is this relationship going to be? Adam's sick of trying to work things out. And for once we kind of see Hannah like letting up. She's she's okay with walking away from this argument. She's not holding on so tightly to this relationship because now she has something. Yeah, like the promise of what's next makes it easier to like disentangle yourself from these tough situations. Um, And like, yeah, Adam's being really harsh here, I think. Like, I mean, I would be really upset in a situation like this too, but I mean, he he has been so unaccommodating to Hannah during his rehearsal process. And this was really sudden news on his part that, and I get that how that's how auditions work. Like you find, you don't have it one minute and the next you do. And then you have to just like go from there. Um, I don't know, just tricky situation, well captured. And I like that they're, um, that this fight ended on them not, staying together or breaking up just this like weird limbo third thing that yeah it gets resolved next season but i'm not an adam fan and i never have been so really wow yeah so like that harshness of the scene registered even more intensely i'm like he's despicable um (laughs) yeah i don't know what it is i from the beginning where i i identified like something in the type of person he is that like hits me wrong or there's like the aloofness and like the guardedness and then the sort of explosiveness it it, it was always difficult for me to watch or root for that was always a hard thing and I I remembered it just watching this episode where I'm like yeah I I, I'm not I'm not with this man yeah he he kind of he kind of grew on me I mean I've always thought he was hot but yeah yeah, character of Adam (laughs) yeah The character of Adam definitely grew on me, um, as I think was intended, but totally, you know, I, I just, I think also with the recent episode when Hannah's mom is kind of talking to Hannah and saying, you don't want to be with the odd guy, you know, he's like falling out of favor with us and also with Hannah, just hearing that voice of reason. But it's also interesting to hear that comment made at the exact time where he's like sure still a weird guy but like he's actually driven and purposeful too like it kind of it if she was talking about just the season one and season two Adams which I do think are like pretty he's a pretty hateable character in a lot of ways in those two seasons but like now he's like actually gotten his shit together right I don't know Hannah in a lot of ways is kind of 
more of the wild animal this season, like behaving so like recklessly and narcissistically, like last episode blowing up Marnie and Ray's spot for kind of no reason. <laughs> but um, can we, should we move on to Shoshana? Because that was the other plot line this episode that I was really interested in. Definitely. Yeah. Man, what a devastating thing to like go to NYU, like an, an NYU facility to pick up your like cap and gown essentially and and just like be flagged. Yeah, humiliating. So like her sexual walkabout year has left her one credit short of graduating, which derails her whole 15 year plan that she's like set up for herself. Um Sasha Mamet was performance-wise the MVP of the episode for me. So good. Yeah, yeah I mean, great. knocking over her coat rack and uh, in those polka dot leggings, she really she killed it. I don't think it came together. Not to jump jump ahead, but I don't think it came together for me until that conversation with Ray, where I'm like, this is tremendously sad, and yeah. like the acting out is all is all you know it's moving to a certain point and it's building to this point and like oh that's that scene is another like horror movie to me too like yeah like it's like icarus flying a little too close to the sun like you get out of a relationship you have your like hoe phase or whatever and it doesn't amount to much and you find yourself craving the stability that you had when you were in a relationship with someone even if it was you know not a positive situation or it's just like two people on very different life paths um better that advice from us though than from marnie who like comes over and the immediate after that this was the funniest scene of the episode to me (laughs) oh it's beautiful Um, it's a beautiful act of physical comedy yeah Yeah. (laughs) so like shosh gives Marnie the rundown about what's happened with her um her graduation status and Marnie like I mean she's occupied with her real purpose for visiting but she like talks about how she didn't go to her intro to Hinduism class because she was too busy eating frozen waffles with Charlie and shows like the look on Zosha Mamet's face I say this every episode Emmy Emmy for Zosha Mamet like the like sheer disbelief that this woman would be like not only like making this moment about herself but like just saying the words that she's saying <laughs> like it's beautiful it's incredible it's also yeah. another great acting moment for allison williams just th- the second time in this episode that she's managed to make a conversation not about her about her and just yeah. kind of smile through every moment it's amazing and also course, delivered with sincerity like yeah. i'm act- like there's a, a belief like I'm actually I think trying to comfort you mm-hmm. like yeah yeah her and Hannah share that sort of like that that attribute where you know they, they think they're helping they, they like cushion their like their you know self-obsession with like you know a little bit of like fake fake sincerity yeah and we've seen Marnie this season get beaten down by the world and kind of lose her superciliousness just because like she doesn't have a leg to stand on but the minute she has a little bit of professional and artistic success with desi it's right back to the high horse <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's back in the saddle <laughs> it was very satisfying to see shosh choke her out not to advocate for <laughs> violence but like it was very perfect physical comedy yeah screaming i hate you i mean that's like the only way to respond honestly and you yeah. can tell it's like it's seasons worth of hate like yes so good about her in that scene too is like it's not just this moment it's like everything about you yep and now you're gonna do this i mean yeah it's perfect so we get to shoshin ray at the i almost said the opera at major barbara um she says you're gonna buy me some fucking m&ms and we're gonna have a chat about the marnie (laughs) situation but it ends up being so sad like i was sad for both of them in this moment 
Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry. Oh, no, you first. I feel like a nightmare is for someone to tell you, like, all the, like, all the things she helped him become. Oh, I know. She doesn't possess in herself. And, like, like it, it's a blow on, like, eight different levels. And I, I was just humiliated um, for her. Also, just no one wants to hear that. Like, all I fixed you. I made you into this man, and now I don't get to have you. It's for Marnie now. Right. So, no one wants to hear that. Yeah, it's it's truly devastating. Um, and like she just plays it so beautifully too. Like it's it's so hard to like see someone in a better place than you left them when you're the one who does the dumping mm -hmm. like that's a hard dynamic to live through yeah i that was probably the hardest moment of the episode for me just watching that i'm like shosh yeah still a lot of fun comedy though her oh. asking during the show like why are they talking like that it's <laughs> <laughs> great like for someone who went to NYU, she has like a shockingly illiterate view of any theater outside of like Wicked. Oh my god, which but is she was like great. A, she was like a stern girl. Like oh yeah. Like, like there are people who like, yeah, that is such a real person to me too. Like who's just like culturally unaware, but living in like New York fucking city and you know yeah. is living on a different planet. Um yeah. So so Marnie, while all this is going on, is having her own escapades backstage. She goes to Desi's room uh, with James Taylor's guitar pick and gifts it to him as like a pre-show ritual. I barfed. I like, James, they could not have picked a better like mutual delusion than James Taylor. <laughs> the whole scene is like, I didn't stop laughing. Like yeah. start to finish. Um. And Eben Mock Bass, he's shirtless. I can never say that last name. He's shirtless and they start making out because he's so like horned up for this like subservient woman. I'm like, I just, I barfed again. Barf, barf, <laughs> barf. Like the whole, these yeah. two are such a crazy dynamic. And the way- also, knowing where it goes is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, he's so- this actor is attractive, but the way that he makes himself so gross, <laughs> just like a complete layer of slime over him. No, and he does it on the bear too. Like he's really good at hiding the hot and mm -hmm. schlubbing himself up. Like not like physically, because he is dumb hot, but like he he just like makes himself so like small and sad and like Better. Marnie like Marnie sees herself in him that in that way but like also is like she loves like kind of a meek man and like as much as she doesn't like to say it like she liked it a lot when Charlie was like not yeah she likes know. projects yeah she loves a project <laughs> um she tells Hannah and Elijah that in the audience and they are like completely grossed out though I also love her saying, Desi kissed the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> also, just like com coming off of her telling Shosh, I did this thing. <laughs> oh, she, I mean, like, she really. Do it again. Yeah. Like, she's like in her Raquel Levis era, <laughs> like stealing, <laughs> stealing everyone's man. And now we said it. And that, we are also Team Raquel. Um, you are? So team ariana but no I mean, i'm team i'm team both i'm team both i think wow i mean this is to be unpacked on a later date yeah. yes we can i'm sorry for dropping that in but yeah, like i just i have to make job. space for that um oh my god when she runs into clementine that also, just a moment for how good lena and writers aren't naming people in the show like yeah. everyone oh, I laugh almost every time there's like a, a you know a guest appearance and someone has an a, like an insane name but it's the most perfect name for that person and like mm -hmm. even Desi is just like the most yeah. right, um 
Like she is Clementine, and ugh. she is. Oh my god! I mean, we, we talk about the names on this show all the time. And Clementine. I don't think we've touched on the genius of Clementine, but like, of course, that's her name. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah. Clementine is like one of the few characters in the girls' universe who like almost entirely has her shit together, from what we can tell. Like, she has mm-hmm. this some sort of corporate gig. Like, she sees people for exactly who they are, and like is aware of her relation to them like i loved it when she told marnie can you cut the shit please i know what you're up to it's written all over you i don't blame you he's fucking sexy but if he hasn't realized yet and he's going to do soon that you're just a sad pathetic mess yeah we're in the same green the exact same shade of bright teal (laughs) Mm mm-hmm nice dress i mean it's just horrible i mean leave it for two girls to make like the most put together sane character like the villain Mm -hmm. (laughs) like for all those reasons that you just said like we can't like her because she undermines our girls she undermines the girls but also like I don't know. I mean, Marnie is suffering from, like, a clear-cut case of main character syndrome this episode, and to see her just pop that balloon, like, that. Mm-hmm. It's satisfying. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah. And Natalie Morales is always just so good in everything she's into. Like, yeah, I'm... This show gets a lot of really good, like, character actors. I'm very excited for uh, Gillian Jacobs next season i think we're only a few episodes away from mimi rose which is a perfect a perfect name for that yep. character yep. as well perfect <laughs> name um yeah. marty like looking on to them like fighting after was also like this is this is the star of get out like yeah i see it, <laughs> I see it here <laughs> like this is the origin story like yeah i mean she's smiling yeah. watching them you know rip each other's heads off i don't know in that moment i i feel no i hate marnie in that moment yeah like yeah, same. Oh, okay. i i i'm team clementine of course oh t- t- for days like especially <laughs> season four marnie is like the most hateable she ever gets and i'm like I mean, this, it's been four seasons of, like, slow humiliation for my girl, and I'm, uh, yeah. But the build-back is so solid by the end of it. I I feel like her, the way they, what how they finish her is very right. Totally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Very real for her. So, Um, should we do Jessa? Yeah. Jessa has an interesting little plot point here um she finds out that Beatty, her name's Beatty, right um mm-hmm. the old woman artist in a wheelchair who is hiring her to be an archivist um she finds out that she hired her to help her kill herself um she thought that she could uh, she she asks if she just hired her because she knew she could get pills through her but Beatty says uh, no i just I thought you'd be the only person who could see how necessary this is, which I found interesting. Like, why, why, why her? Yeah, I like, I think it's because she had the plug for drugs. Yeah, you think she's just bluffing when she says, like, I just thought you could see me? <laughs> no, I think there's there's something there that, like, was kind of confusing to me, and maybe that is a little bit of a hard thing with the season with jessa where like why like some having to reckon with why am i the person in this situation like why do you see me this way and i like i feel like that's what it was meant to sort of inspire is like a sort of reckoning with like you're the you're the girl who's gonna bring me drugs to like fulfill this and like you know if this episode thematically is sort of about like everyone being like what is my life Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that is a a sobering moment for Jessa. Yeah. Like, is it a little literal that, like, Jessica's been narcotized all season and then at the very last minute, like, has to literally shock a woman back to life because she doesn't want to die and she wants to live? Like, sure. But I think this is kind of, like, it's the beginning of 
a really interesting Jessa arc over the next three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel like a turning point. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's it feels like a small arc this season, but it gets to a place that um will have large consequences in the future. My big issue with this arc, though, is that like if you take it in a vacuum like just on paper this was a lot of events for her like she goes to rehab she like busts out of rehab she gets a job she relapses and then she like has this event but like it never feels I don't know it like I don't know if it's not high stakes enough or they just like underwrite it so much that like it's kind of tough to invest yeah a lot but I walked out my one huge note with this season was they kind of wasted Jemima Kirk yeah it, it, to the point where I, I was wondering like I don't know any BTS stuff but I'm like this feels like an arc you give someone when they get pregnant off the show and like can wow. barely you know like yeah. can't come in or are not as available I'm like that's what it felt like to me so I, I don't know if there's any truth to that but that is a good criticism and like I feel like I I feel that as well where I'm like it feels a little half-baked yeah but more to come like that's it's a very uh like we leave her at a very like blank slate place so gets it gets exciting from here but uh we have a few final segments to wrap up um our first question we ask everyone is which girl are you in these episodes Ooh. fuck <laughs> you're not giving me a lot of great options <laughs> uh i still think i'm a that? hannah hannah yeah I don't, I, I don't think i'd ever do that though but i do relate to the conflicts that she's feeling yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i was for once shosh because i am also pretty close to graduating from my program right now and feeling a an acute sense of like what the fuck am I doing next um I I mean at least I am graduating and I'm not a credit short but like this um kind of floundering for like stability I definitely kind of empathize with because it is it's like willingly and that's the thing about grad school and like what hannah's doing to like willingly putting yourself through a second cycle of this kind of like professional uncertainty is that is like the big downside i think of grad school like you're resetting yourself but it's hard to do that and like build up the foundation again totally that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. I honestly, not to cheat, but I think I am both of your answers. I'm like the Shosh's kind of restlessness, but also Hannah not being able to sit on information for one single second and having to share it with Hannah or Adam, regardless of how that will impact his performance. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, um, we also like to ask your favorite outfit of the episode. So, I mean, mine, I think, honestly, Hannah's eyeliner, like, it's working for her. A kind of crazy, not cat eye, but almost. Mm-hmm. And that, like, chunky, the chunky necklace. It, it's working for her. She looks yeah. really good. Okay, this is very weird, because it's unremarkable, but <laughs> for some reason, I thought this was such, a, like, a good acting moment that felt very not scripted, is... Um, Marnie in the towel when she's like yeah. I don't mean to get you wet or like was one of those like weird like human moments that seep into shows or things where I'm like was this writ- was this written or just like that exact exchange just feels so commonplace that it's yeah. kind of remarkable um so I just like I'm like for some reason this is like staying in my mind and I wonder why and so yeah I love that, that. And the, green, the, the green dress of course and yeah green dress is great Honestly, like all of the fits at that premiere were great. Like I loved Shosha's like top bun and blazer combo. Like it was very business bitch. Yeah. Um, and a Eli- lot we talked about Elijah's short suit, but that was yeah, incredible. Like just the right amount of focus pulling that like he would do. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, costume on the show is always pretty spot on. 
And then our last question, who is the MVP and the LVP of the episode? MVP. Um, I mean, Hannah, like you got into mm-hmm. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, LVP, the Lisa Vanderpump of the <laughs> episode is no, um, Marnie. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I was gonna say Adam, but like Adam, Marnie is like it's not just a moment. It's like there's no there's no scene in which she's on a <laughs> on a right path, on a righteous path. She, I think she is an arguably the LVP of the entire season. Like, just absolutely thirst bucket supreme. The like, like it's easy to forget we started with the Edie Brickell cover. <laughs> like this season's been, it's. I think this season can get a little saggy in places because it's twelve episodes instead of the usual ten. But like, you look back at the beginning of the season and we started with her youtube video and like david pressler goings dying like this this season goes a lot of places mm-hmm. yeah i like a transition season though yeah like, especially when you look up look back at it so i feel honored to to be here in the middle of girl the girl your girl's journey. Yeah. the yeah. exact halfway point basically yeah 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 um, i mean honestly this was such a good season finale and a so glad we had you on to kind of unpack it with us well, thank you so much yeah where can people find you on social media if you'd like to be found um my name and last name eric edelstein is all my social media um so yeah love that synchronicity thank you so much <laughs> yeah and also uh just to plug because i think this is the first episode we've done since the article got published uh girls room and Julia were quoted in the New York Times this week, the New York Times style section about uh, the phenomenon of girls rewatching. Yeah, check it out. I have three quotes, maybe. And you know what? They're not my best, but they are quotes. Wrong. <laughs> no no self-deprecation here. No, you were I, genius. They're good <laughs> quotes. I just had so many good ones that they didn't use. But that's what happens. Congratulations. That is Thank major. You. <laughs> it was cool. exciting for for the girls room team very exciting for the girls room team and uh to be potentially skimmed by lena <laughs> on saint patty's day <laughs> like a true uh, a true treat so all right well until next week we'll be back with season four get jazzed Woo. bye bye <laughs>